talking about generosity this morning. <laughs> Everyone's really excited about that, aren't they? Um, every time I, I've, I've actually only spoken about uh, finance or money like once in the four years that Kurimako has been going. And uh, I, honestly, it's, it's one of those topics that you can like hear a pin drop in the room. You know, there's the tumbleweeds going past. There's, there's this, this sort of feeling, eh? It's like, it's like, hey guys, I'm going to do this this week, and next week we're going to talk about sexuality, and then the week after we're going to talk about politics. Like, we're just going to tackle all the heavy stuff. But this is just one of those things, eh? It's just money is, and finance and generosity. It's just something that, that triggers something in us, um, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. And I'm just aware that we are a diverse bunch of people. And we all come from different families. And we come from different churches, environments that we've grown up in maybe. And maybe you've had different life experiences um, of having a lot or not a lot. Um, maybe you grew up in a home that was really generous and, and that's something been part of your formation. Or maybe you grew up in a home where there wasn't a lot to go around and you just couldn't, you're just making it day by day. And so I'm just aware, as I say that, I just want to name that in the room, that 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 this, this thing has an effect on our hearts. And, uh, you know, probably if it was up to me, I probably wouldn't talk about it. But the reality is, is Jesus talked about it 25% of all his teaching. He talked about it more than sexuality and other things. The only thing he talked more about finances and possessions was the kingdom of God. And I think the reason he talked about it is because it's a core discipleship issue. This in Matthew 6 in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. He, it says there's three things. It says, you know, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. Like, these are sort of expectations of discipleship that, that followers of Jesus will do. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just aware, you know, and, and I'm also aware we're in a, an economy where prices are going up, you know. And um, this affects me too. I'm, I'm a father. We've got four kids. We've got teenagers. They eat like adults. Anyone else? <laughs> I love them to pieces. They're amazing. Um, but they're like boarders that don't pay, you know. <laughs> but I love them, you know. They're incredible. But, you know, I've got these expenses. We've got, you know, we basically have one income between us. And I've got four kids. Um, our mortgage went up by 200 bucks at Christmas. And I thought that was terrible. And then the other day I heard, I've been hearing these horror stories. Some people's mortgages are going up by 600 bucks, you know, a week or a fortnight. Like, I get it. This stuff, it's hard. There's, there's pressure out there at the moment. But this is a massive thing in our hearts. And it's something that Jesus is after. God's always after our hearts, isn't he? And so I just really want to encourage you this morning that everything Jesus you know, calls us to do is motivated by his love and for our good. So if you're feeling any anxiety, any worry, I just want to say grace and peace. Everything today, like anything we do here at Kurimako, is an invitation. Nothing is compulsory. I'm just calling you, like every pastor should be, just a fidelity to following Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus calls us to, a life of generosity. This is the first show I can remember watching as a kid that was uh, that really I really enjoyed. And, and, you know, when you're watching as a kid, you're like, oh, man. Like, you know, you've seen that scene where he dives into the money there. I mean, it defies physics, but, you know, like a broken hands if you did that in reality. But as a kid, I was like, man, how cool would that be? You know, diving into a bit of money and stuff. 
Um, but as an adult, as I reflected on it, 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 it's actually a very interesting TV show because it really highlights some massive cultural idols. The main character, um, Uncle Scrooge, is, is named after Scrooge from Charles Dickens' no, um, you know, famous novel. He, he, the, the kind of virtues that this guy has, even though it's sort of fun and they're having adventures and stuff, is that he's really tight with money, that he's really Scroogey with money sort of thing. And most of the adventures revolve around people trying to steal his money, saving his money, and then at the end of the, the show, he's kind of like sort of relaxing in his pool of money, just like, oh, my precious is safe. Like, there's this interesting like theme that comes out here, which is a theme that's in all of, of human history, and it's this thing called scarcity. And whether you've got a lot of money, or an adequate amount of money, or no money at all, all humans can struggle with this thing of scarcity. And what scarcity is, is that, that feeling like I don't have enough, that it's not enough. Last week, uh, Alex did a fantastic job talking about the practice of simplicity. And uh, he quoted uh, John D. Rockefeller, like someone asked him, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. You know? And he was a guy who was the richest man of his time and place. But he had obviously a scarcity mentality in his heart that he just wanted a bit more. And uh, I, I've, um, I'm a big fan of a guy called Tim Keller. Uh, he just recently passed away. A, a real saint, an absolute saint that man was. And he was a pastor in New York for about 30 years. And he said this interesting thing about um, uh, pastoral ministry is that people come to you and they tell you all sorts of things that are going on in your life. And they confess all sorts of sins, you know. Sometimes some really broken, some really hard stuff. Um, as you can imagine, often things around sexuality and about marriages struggling, and all sorts of addictions and things like that. But he said in 30 years of pastoral ministry, he never once had someone come to him and say, I suffer with greed. I'm a greedy person. I like to spend all my money on myself. And I've only been doing pastoral ministry for about seven years, but that, that's true as well. I've never gone to an altar call where someone says, hey, Nick, could you just pray for me, man? I'm, I, I just really want to spoil myself. I just can't stop doing it. You know? I'm struggling with greed. Like, can you pray for me about this area? Like it, and this is why I think it's such a key thing, because Jesus in the scriptures never told us to beware or be on guard against sexual sin. Um, probably because when you're committing sexual sin, it's pretty obvious. Or consuming too much alcohol. Oh, you know that you're, oh, oh am I drunk? Oh, I didn't know that. Like, it's very obvious when we're committing those sins, right? But we just don't see it when it's greed, eh? And I think for, for a lot of people, it can be in different areas. Some people, it's, a, it's around wanting more. Like, you just want to keep up with the Joneses. You just see your neighbours. And we never compare down. We always compare up, right? And we just, man, look at their car. Look at that boat they've got. Oh, look at their cool clothes or something. Um, that actually isn't something I struggle in that area. Um, I actually don't really um, care so much for possessions. And that's why, like, last week, listened to Alex's message. I'm like, simplicity? Yeah, I love that. Like, my, I, I think if I hadn't married Amy... I'd probably be wearing an onion sack or something and sleeping under the bridge. <laughs> and I'm not that worried about my parents either. Um, 
it's probably much of a lost cause anyway. But but uh, I, uh, <laughs> I it, that's not my struggle in that area. Um, yeah, I like some nice things in life. I enjoy food and drink and all those sort of things. But I'm not actually that worried about what car I drive or what house I live in and all that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to say, make myself into a saint here because the, the area I struggle with, probably a bit like Uncle Scrooge there, is around security. So for me, the thing that I have spent most of my adult life wrestling with and struggling with is that I don't have enough. Not enough to, to be able to you know, pay the bills and to do these things that I need to do. And that's not true, because I always do, but I, I worry about it and I'm anxious about it. And I'm, I'm pretty confident I'm not the only one. I'm pretty sure other people worry and they have that security thing. Um, and, and for me, uh, that's why with these practices, I'm not getting up here and saying, and I've got this, I've got this down, guys. Like, I'm just, you know, full of contentment. I'm just, don't worry about money or anything like that. I, I'm growing in this stuff too. And I wouldn't invite you into a practice or something to do that I'm, that I'm, I'm not trying to work on myself or in my own life. And so for me, that's been the biggest cultural idol in my heart is that sense of security. And when I examine it further, when I actually peel it back and go, what's that about? What's that really about me? This is what I find in myself. And I put the mirror up to myself, is that I want to be self-sufficient. Of God or others. I want to be able to like, I've got this, I've got this big pile of cash, I've got this, I'm fine. But how do we know that's, that's just not true, right? And even if I had a massive pile of cash, I think I'd still struggle in that area and still have to keep bringing it to God. And God's done an amazing work in my heart over this over the years, and mostly as I kind of thought through with the practice of generosity. But it, that is something I've, I've seen in my own heart. And I think many of us, you know, could struggle with that, or like you said, maybe struggle with possessions or going after things that others have and wanting. And I believe just like simplicity is one step in this process of like being content in what we have, I think the next step is actually to then go, okay, I want to I want to be like you, God. I want to do what you do. And so I want to act in a generous way. I don't want to act in a selfish way. I want to be selfless. Acts 20, 35, our text today. And the word blessing in the Greek is actually, um, can be translated as happy. It is more happy to give than to receive. You can almost say there is more there is more happiness in, in, in giving than in receiving. And I love this. Um, I'm not um, much into the, some people have heard this thing called a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. And, uh, you know, that's that kind of thing where if I was to say to you, oh, if you give some money, then tomorrow morning there's a Rolls Royce in your, in your driveway or something like that. But I do think that, there is, that God favors and blesses us as we give. It says here in Proverbs 11, 25, he says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Isn't that beautiful? Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. There's something about generosity and about doing it that, that it brings life to us. And, and it, even though I said, that, you know, you're not going to get a Rolls Royce in the driveway the next day, I've, I've seen throughout my life, as, as I've trusted in God, that God is faithful. Like, God's economy does not work like how the world's economy works. Um, the world's economy works on, on scarcity. 
one time um, Amy and I were doing, you know, we went to some budget advisor or something like that, and I've had this many times with the bank, and, and you guys might have had this as well, and they go through your, your accounts, and they're looking at all your, you know, expenses and income and all that, and then they look at this thing like you're giving to church, or maybe you're giving to World Vision, or whatever, and they go, oh, what's that? And then you say, oh, oh, that's my giving. I give to our church, or I give to, you know, your vision, whatever you and, and they're like, oh, could you cut back on that? <laughs> because to that person, if they're not a Christian or, or not someone who's super generous or something, they're kind of like, that doesn't make sense. Why are you giving away that money? Shouldn't you keep it in, like, so your budget will be better and stuff? Like, it doesn't make sense to the world's economy. Like, because it runs on a scarcity model that I don't have enough. But if we if we trust in God, we have more than enough. That's the big mind shift we need to have, is that we have more than enough in Him. And um, science actually backs this up as far as um, being a generous person. They call it like the giver's glow. You know, when you when you actually give money to people or give um, possessions or you do stuff for people, you help them out. Um, it actually releases a whole lot of feel-good chemicals in our brains, like dopamine and stuff. Uh, and, and actually, it also has a, um, there's a, there's a mirror neurons as well. So when, when we see people doing amazing acts of generosity, uh, it, it actually can mirror on the people around us that they feel that joy as well. And they're just like, wow, that's awesome. That's cool. I, I know I've experienced that many times in my life, you know, um, either through you know, acts of generosity or receiving generosity or seeing others do that. That it's just like, whoa, that's awesome. That is so cool. And I think that's that's that that's what God's doing as we're doing that. It's something really healthy in us, in the definition that I read. And but you might be asking yourself, like, why be generous? Like, you know, we live in a world that is look after yourself. Um, excuse the sort of archaic language, but you know, every man for himself. How often we have we heard that saying? Um, just look after yourself. You've got to look after your family. You do what's right for you and your family. Like, this is the cultural narrative that we all have going on around us that we're swimming in. Every man for himself. One of the reasons that you know, we should be generous is that we serve an incredibly generous God, right? Psalm 24.1, David said, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. This is God's world. It's not ours. He created everything in it, including us. It all belongs to him. You know, if this was a party, God is the host of the party, and we're just the guests. It all belongs to him. And even though we, we sort of think we've got these things in our hands that our, we think of them like our resources, they're actually God's resources. We can't take any of them with us when we die. We only get to steward them or manage them during our lifetime. Everything belongs to God. He created everything. And out of his generous heart, he created us. Out of the overflow of the love of the Trinity, God created us. You know, we were created an act of generosity where God was like, oh, I'm going to create human beings. and I'm going to make them in my likeness and being. And then he created this perfect world and he put them in this perfect garden with everything that they needed, everything that they needed. And even then, they went after the one thing that they couldn't have wanting, you know, that terrible grasping after things. They had everything they needed. They were ruling and reigning in partnership with God over all creation. Every need met whatsoever, but they went after the one thing they couldn't have. But even though they did that, God just kept pursuing them. That's his generous heart. 
He didn't shut them off. He just keep coming after them. We read in the scriptures that he, he even came after um, a man called Abraham, and he, he calls him as, as, a, as the leader of a people, and he says to him, you know, you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. That, that Abraham and the nation of Israel was to be blessed to be a blessing to the world. They were meant to be a light. They were meant to be a beacon to the world. This is what it's like when he dwells in a community. And so he pursued them with prophets and all sorts of people just going after them, showing so much mercy and love and generosity. And ultimately, if you're familiar with the Christian story, he went one step further. And where this is, the, you know, I probably could get you to say this without even clicking this slide. John 3.16 God, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? He gave his only son. Second Corinthians 8, 9, Paul says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that you, through your, his poverty, might become rich. And came down, humbled himself, like he just became human, he just became like one of us, and he lived amongst us, and he gave his life away in ministry. Ultimately, he gave his life away on the cross. He died for us. He gave his life, shed his blood on the cross as the ultimate act of generosity so that we could have our sins forgiven, so that we could have reconciliation with God. This is awesome news, guys. This is good news. This is the generous heart of God. Like That's the God we serve. That's the God we're made in the image of. That is what we, that's what we're living in. We're living, we're living in the good stuff. Like we've got everything. We start right there. That's, that's, that's everything. We've got salvation. We've got life, eternal life with God. Everything beyond that is just absolute. So, we re- so one of the reasons why we need to be generous is that, is that we're responding to that incredible generosity from God. When we have an encounter of his incredible grace, his incredible generosity, we want to respond to that grace by being generous with others. And uh, I haven't got time today to kind of unpack a whole lot of stuff around um, giving throughout the, the scriptures, but it's there right across all of the scriptures. In the Old Testament, the people of God um, were called to bring their first fruits. And if some of your life, you might have heard a word called tithe. And all that word means is one-tenth. And uh, they would bring, there was many tithes that they had, but they would bring their first fruits. And um, we see that, we see that um, continue into the New Testament but we see that Jesus raises the bar, in a sense. Um, you know, that was kind of like their duty that they were sort of required to do, and they were called to do that. Um, but Jesus is always after our hearts, and he, he's calling us to a lifestyle of generosity, not just ticking the box. T. Wright says this, The kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all about a glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. It's not, um, I think people get fixated on, is it about an amount or a percentage? I think tithing is is, is a good guideline. Um, I think it's it's something it's it's, the, it's definitely the ground floor, not the ceiling. Um, but I don't think it's like a because I, I grew up in church and it was kind of like you had this concept like tithing, like do your ten percent tick and then the ninety percent is all yours. Do whatever you want with it, sort of thing. Um, and then I don't, when I read the New Testament, I don't I don't see that there. I see there's this call that that's kind of like the base level kind of thing, but there's this call to actually go beyond that into radical generosity. And there's some interesting stories um, where Jesus kind of, you know, you see this act out. There's one with uh, a guy called Zacchaeus, 
he was a tax collector. Scriptures tell us he was a wealthy man, a lot of money, basically probably from manipulating the system, you know, putting extra taxes on people and all that kind of thing. And uh, Jesus sees him in the tree when he's walking through Jericho. And Jesus said, look, I'm coming to your house today. And so he goes and has a meal with Jesus. And he has such a profound encounter with Jesus' grace and his presence that without even Jesus saying anything, he says, he says look, I'm going to give away half of all that I have. And if I've robbed or ripped anyone off, I'm going to pay them back four times over. And Jesus says this incredible thing back to that guy. He says, salvation has come to this household. This guy is a son of Abraham. And then we read in the, in the scriptures and gospels too, there's a story where, where Jesus meets this guy. He's a rich young ruler. This is a guy. He's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of pull. He's a ruler. He's got authority, all that sort of stuff. And he's, um, he comes to Jesus and sort of says, you know, what I've got to do? You know, what, what's, what's the deal here? And Jesus says, oh, have you done these things? And yep, ticked all the boxes on all these things. And then he says, look, you, you lack one thing. And, and he says, go sell all you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And uh, that guy, it says that he went away sad because he had many things. You know, Jesus in one vision said, looked on him with love. Like Jesus looked on him with compassion because he could see how much that had tangled up his heart. And I'm not saying to you this morning you have to give away all your stuff. But what I'm saying here this morning is, is God is looking at your heart. There's a beautiful story where Jesus is watching some people at the temple and uh, sees some wealthy people are putting a whole lot of money in. Massive quantities, eh? And then he sees this, this, sees this little old widow and she puts in two coins. And Jesus calls his disciples and just says, you see that woman there? You know, she gave all that she had. And, and, and disciples must have been, like we're kind of thinking, like, yeah, but it's nothing. Wouldn't have made any difference to the temple what she gave on an economic world system basis. Jesus looks at the heart and he's like, look at what she's doing. Because she gave out of her poverty. They gave out of their wealth. Like, for some people to give out of their wealth, it's not a big deal. But for this woman, it's massive. And, and I think, you know, I think Jesus is kind of just saying, I, I love seeing when people act in the way that I do. Because that's what Jesus did. He didn't sort of go halfway in on his ministry and, and, and tell them some good teachings and then run off sort of thing. He went all the way in, all the way to the cross. He went all the way in. And I think when he saw that woman doing that, he said, sort of like, oh, you're acting like God. And the actual um, word generous and generosity, the, the, the basis of that word and like Latin and stuff, actually has this co- uh, notion of nobility. And I think when, when we are generous, we're acting with like a sense of nobility, like, like acting like God. And we get to experience what God is, what it feels like for God to, to love on us and to care for us when we do that for others. And we see this continue right through the New Testament. Acts 4, 32, 35, all the believers were one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. The great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For the time to time, those who owned land or, or houses sold them, bought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Like, this is the vision. Like, this is the vision of, of the early church. And this is getting back to that idea of, of 
in the garden of abundance that everyone has what they need. And this is where all, all time is going towards is the reconciliation of all things is, is, is we're going to have a, you know, we won't be in lack. We won't have scarcity. We won't have struggles like that. And this is a beautiful picture here that the grace of God has affected these people so much in this early church that they're making sure there's no one in their community in need. They're giving, people are coming and giving these beautiful gifts of, of land to bless the church and bless um, people. And this, this culture of doing that continued right through the early church and it was one of the markers of the early church and had a massive effect on the Roman Empire as well as many of the other values that early Christians lived into. This is a letter written by a guy who was a, a pagan philosopher and he's writing to one of the Caesars and he's just explaining what the Christians are about. And he says this, And he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. And when they see a stranger, they take him into their own homes and rejoice over him as a very brother. And if they hear that one of their numbers is imprisoned or afflicted on account of the name of their Messiah, all of them anxiously minister to his necessity. And if there's any among them that is poor and needy and they have no spare food, they fast for two or three days in order to supply to the needy their lack of food. Such, O king, is their manner of life. And verily, or truthfully, this is a new people, and there is something divine in the midst of it. Man, when I read that last line, I was just like weeping as I read that. Like, isn't that awesome? Like, this is a guy who's not a Christian, looking at the church, the early church in Rome, and he's saying things like, they fasted for two or three days to make sure there's enough food for their brothers and sisters. And just like, to have this insight that he says, this is a new people. There's something new going on here. What's happening here? There's something divine in the midst of this. Jesus. I'm living out this beautiful message, this radical, sacrificial generosity. And it's what Leslie Newbegin said, we must live in the kingdom in such a way that provokes questions for which the gospel is the answer. Because yeah, it's not the way of the world, is it? Generosity, radical generosity, is not the way of the world. It's look after yourself. It's that scarcity mindset. But when, as the church, we live in this place of abundance, of caring for one another, making sure everyone's needs are met, it, it, it can change lives. It's powerful. One of the one of the absolute joys I have as a pastor is sometimes you get to see some stuff behind the scenes that no one else sees. And I can say in this community, there's been times where people number of times they've got in touch with me and just said I've just had these people in our church on our heart, I just want to give them um, this, this gift of money um, could you please give it to them anonymously, it's always anonymously, I love that, it's so beautiful I'm not trying to get any recognition for it and then you ring that person up who is receiving the gift and the joy the absolute joy that's on their hearts and you know what most people say, and I've been to, you know, at times people have given me gifts in life, and I feel like this too, it's like, God cares. He cares. He hears my prayers. I can trust him. He will provide. Like, it's powerful, guys. That is powerful. It's so beautiful. Like, when you, when, when you listen to people just crying and saying, man, God cares. We've been praying. We've needed this. We've scrapped with our bills. All this stuff's going on. God sees our needs and he provides for his people. And then to go back and tell that person what joy that brings. 
they're, they're, you know, I'm thinking, oh, heck, they've got all this money. But they're just like, oh, man, the joy. But they just love to bless. They just love to bless. That, that is the heart of God right there. That's what we want to do. Second Corinthians 9, 6, 7, um, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he's encouraging them to give to a church that's struggling in Jerusalem. He says this, he says, verse 7, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I love that. Again, the heart. Right? God's not into duty. He's not into ticking boxes. He's into the heart. Like what's going on in your heart? And he's, he's saying, don't do it reluctantly and don't do it under pressure, compulsion. I love that too. It's a voluntary invitation to, to be like him. And it says here, for God loves a cheerful giver. And one of the translations of that in the Greek is, is a bit like the word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. Um, you know, we forget that actually what we give of our money and our resources and our time, that's actually part of our worship. And sometimes on Sunday, probably we should actually, as we're giving, the, you know, I know we don't give an offering bag around anymore these days, but we should probably, it's almost like we should be doing a big shout of praise, like, thank you God, like, this is awesome, because that's what we're doing, we're being cheerful givers, we're being, this is a hilarious act, it's, it's absurd to the world, but it's delight to God as he sees us doing that, being like him. So how? Because I think, um, you know, for a lot of us, I think most people want to be generous. I think, you know, in general, you, you see amazing acts of generosity and you're like, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, but, but at the moment, I've got no money. I can't do that. And I can just tell you from my own experience that if you wait for that time when you think you're going to have the perfect financial circumstances, it never happens, right? Um, Amy and I... Uh, we first, you know, we both brought up in families that were generous and that giving was part of that. And when, so when we got married, we just started giving. We just started. We just made a start. And it wasn't a load of money. We just made a start. And probably at the time, I felt like it must have felt like a sacrifice to me. But we just, like, made a start. And we just built from there. And we built up to where we give, you know, you know we, we give 10% of our income. I'm not saying that to boast. It's just saying that that's where we've gone on this journey. And we're not finished there. I, I want to grow in, in this. I want to keep growing and being sacrificial with our time, our resources, and even move into that sacrificial giving of extra, you know, big amounts of money sort of thing. Um, I had a, I had a, a friend recently. Um, we, were, we were down at Christchurch and we were having breakfast with them and, and, you know, he's one of those naughty people that go and, like, pay for the bill before you paid for it. And you're like, you know, something. And, and he said, no, no, it's all good. Um, my wife and I, we budget for this. And I thought, isn't that cool? Like, I'm sure he gives, like, his normal giving to his church, full vision, what have you. But he actually budgets for, you know, this spontaneous generosity. That he has a budget set aside in his money that he's like, oh, I'm going to bless these people. And uh, it, I always feel quite embarrassed when people do that. But it is actually such an incredible blessing. And I could just see the joy on his face as he's doing it, because he enjoy, they enjoy doing it. And it's like, oh, that's, that's the heart of God there. That's the heart of God there, just an action. So how? I guess what I encourage you to do is make a start. 
Um, I'm not, you know, for some of us, the thought of giving 10% of income is overwhelming. And I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to put any pressure or, or anything like that on you today. Um, and, and, and like it said, like Paul said in Corinthians, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. Um, he loves people that give um, out of the abundance of their heart, not because they have to, because they want to. Um, so, and I think what happens is often we, we put that in our head as a marker, and so we're like, I can't, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't contemplate how I could do that. But why don't you just make a start? Like anything for spiritual practices or doing stuff in life, it's just making a start. Why don't you commit to paying, like setting up an automatic payment for $5 for a fortnight? And if that's too much, why don't you start with $1? You know, like it build that practice into your life that you're going to do that for like 90 days. Like take a 90-day challenge. I'm going to do this for 90 days. I'm going to keep this consistent rhythm in my life. And then keep it regular. Like, hey, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep doing this as a family. We're going to start, we're going to start on a journey. The train stops at every station. You know, there's grace. Come join in sort of thing. And we're going to keep it going. And don't stop there. Obviously, over time, you want to look at this and review it and say, Lord, can we give some more? Or can we do this? And not just with the church. Like, think of our other needs sponsorship or other community things you give into, like where can you increase in your giving, where can you increase in your generosity, but if you don't make it a habit, you probably won't do it, because it's a, it's a bit like prayer in a sense of your daily devotions, sometimes we don't feel like doing these things but for me it's like with our automatic payment it's like the first thing that goes out of my pay, I, I just don't think about it because we've been doing this most of my adult life and so it's just—it's almost like the, the, the money that goes the, out of my tax and student loan. It's just—it's just not there. And so for me, the challenge is to take that step further into generosity. But it's like for that money, I've, I've built that such a deep thing in my life. It's just like that's what I do. And if I wasn't a pastor, that's what I'd do. If I was just a member of a church, like I, this is what I do. This is what part of my discipleship. This is what God calls me to. So keep it going. And then some of us who who give, um, maybe look at it and say, Lord. Can I, can I increase this? Amy and I do this too sometimes. We like, could we just inch it up a little bit? Or could we, is there some other area of our life that we could be a bit more generous in? Because um, sometimes we do do that set and forget thing. So it's kind of like, can I look at this? Can I look at, how could I increase in generosity? And keep it going. And then look to increase in generosity. This is what I said before, like, this is, there'll be opportunities that the Spirit will invite you into to bless and to do, you know, like those gifts, those sporadic gifts of, people, the church, the community, like the projects, where you can just bring so much love. And then ultimately, we, we, we're going towards a lifestyle of radical and sacrificial giving.